Thank you for visiting Open Life today. We're glad that you took time out of your busy week to join in with our service. If you're listening online or through the Open Life Church app, I need to point out two things for your benefit. The first is that we have our notes conveniently placed for you to follow along with the passages and points mentioned in the talk. The second thing I would like to point out is our connection card. If you fill this out while you are listening, it not only lets us know you visited us today, but also allows you to communicate any prayer requests you may have. We will be sure to take time to pray for them during the course of the week. If you are listening on iTunes, you can always visit us online or download the Open Life Church app to get in contact with us. Wherever or however you are with us today, we are glad that you are here. Now let's join today's talk. Good morning. Um, so I'm really excited to be here and speaking today, and even more excited that you guys actually showed up. Good job. Because when Dad asked me to speak, and I was like, yes, I get to speak, and then I went, oh, it's the day after the 4th of July, so nobody's going to be there. <laughs> but there are people here, praise the Lord. Or he just knows that we have small kids, and we're really lame and don't do anything the night before, so, you know, I'd be good to preach. But um, anyway, so we're jumping back into our passage in our um, series in Luke. And the passage I'm speaking on today is Luke 19, 28 through 48. So it's kind of long. Bear with me. But I'm just going to plow through the whole uh, passage of Scripture right now. And then we will move forward. So starting at verse Chapter 19, verse 28. After Jesus had said this, he went on ahead, going up to Jerusalem. As he approached Bethpage and Bethany at the hill called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it? Say, the Lord needs it. Those who were sent ahead went, went and found it just as he had told them. As they were untying the colt, its owners asked them, Why are you untying the colt? They replied, The Lord needs it. Verse 35. They brought it to Jesus, threw their cloaks on the colt, and put Jesus on it. As he went along, people spread their cloaks on the road. When he came near the place where the road goes down the Mount of Olives, the whole the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles they had seen. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. I tell you, he replied, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. As he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it and said, if you, even you, had only known on this day what would bring you peace, but now it is hidden from your eyes. The days will come upon, upon you when your enemies will build an embankment against you and encircle you and hem you in on every side. They will dash you to the ground and you and, you and the children within your walls. They will not leave one stone on another because you did not recognize the time of God's coming to you. Verse 45, we're almost there. When Jesus entered the temple courts, he began to drive out those who were selling. It is written, he said to them, my house will be a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of robbers. 
Every day he was teaching at the temple, but, uh, but the chief priests, the teachers of the law, and the leaders among the people were trying to kill him. Yet they could not find any way to do it because the people hung on his words. Okay, so in a nutshell, everything that happened here, um, Jesus is heading to Jerusalem. He asks two disciples to go get him a colt to ride into the city. He gets on the colt, rides in the city, um, People lay their clothes down, and in another one of the Gospels, it says that they also laid down on the ground palm branches, and that's why sometimes this story is referred to, and we celebrate it as Palm Sunday, the Sunday before Easter. So you, you know, it sounds familiar in that way to you. So then they lay all their stuff down on the ground, and they praise and worship him loudly. Jesus weeps over the city, and then he speaks over the city. Then he goes to the temple, kind of makes a scene, and then continues teaching. That's what happened. We're done. No. Um, so what I want to talk about is just one part of this because there are really probably like five to ten different messages that can be spoken in this passage of Scripture. So we're going to focus in on the worshiping part, how the people worshiped the Lord. And when we, we talk about worship, when you come in on a Sunday morning, you're kind of, you know, used to when we speak of worship as it being the band up here on the stage and us singing songs in that first 20 minutes that we have of our service, right? You know we're going to probably do like three to four songs, and then somebody's going to come up, and then we'll go on to the message. And that's worship in a lot of people's minds. There is so much more to worship, though which I hope that we will be able to discover a little bit more of today. Um, A definition of worship that I have found is, hold on one second because I skipped a part. (laughs) Um, First, before I talk about what worship is, I want to just touch on what worship isn't necessarily. Sometimes you see people raising their hands and we're singing. And sometimes you might see people um, bowing to their knees. Those things specifically are not worship. Those things are just our response to, to um, what God has done in us. So your first fill-in should be, if you have the fill-ins, do we have the fill-ins? Awesome. God is not looking at the response He is looking at the heart that lies behind the response or lack thereof. So now I'm going to get to the definition of worship. One definition of worship is a physical representation of my thoughts and feelings towards God. That's what worship is. Just a physical representation of my thoughts or feelings towards God. It's not necessarily the act. It's where our heart is in that. Worth. If you break the word down, worth-ship, telling God what he is worth to us. Which, by the way, music is not the only way of doing that, which we will kind of get to in a minute. Matt Redman, who um, is a guy that some of you might have heard of, he's written a lot of really great songs for God, worship songs, if you want to call them. Um, Matt Redman says, worship is the all-consuming response to the all-demanding revelation of God. And that is kind of like something to think about, so I'll read that again. 
Worship is the all-consuming response to the all-demanding revelation of God. So jump back to our passage in Luke 19, verse 37. When he came near the place where the road goes down the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices. This mic is kind of cool because I can like do that really loud. In loud voices for all the miracles they had seen. So the crowd in our passage had seen Jesus perform miracles. They had seen that. They had an experience with him. And then they see Jesus entering the city and they worship him. They were prompted to have an expression towards Jesus in worship because they had seen what he had done. A lot of times, if you guys have seen me worshiping or up here leading worship... I kind of just can't help myself but to get excited about God. And sometimes, you know, I might be trying to raise one hand in the air while I'm playing the keyboard with the other. If I wasn't playing the keyboard, I would have both hands in the air the whole time. You know, and sometimes I just get pretty excited. About 10 years ago, I used to be jumping all over the stage. But now we have three little kids and I'm just old and tired. So... (laughs) So I just don't really do that anymore, but if I would, I could, no, I probably could, maybe, on a good day if I slept the night before. But um, it's really just an overflow of my heart in what I do, um, you know, and I think what we see a lot of people do, I know our youth, our youth just came back from camp, and I'm sure that they probably saw some people getting really excited about God there, right, John? I mean, I've been to youth camp, and it's just like jumping up and down, well, like crazy, you know, just like we're giving our all to God here. And when you've seen God do some awesome things, and when you've seen the Lord work in your life, or you've seen the Lord work in other people's lives, it's just a natural expression of your love for God to do those things. So this wouldn't quite be a good sermon, I don't think, or a good message or talk if we didn't bring up the Seahawks, right? We have to bring up the Seahawks. Um, I think it was last last season, the NFC, that's what it's called, right? Championship game. (laughs) I'm pretty sure that's what it's called. Am I getting a nod? Yes, the NFC championship game. So the Seahawks are playing, and it was like that last quarter when Everything just went crazy, and the game completely turned around. And my husband, um, it was was just us sitting in our house, and I think his aunt might have been there, and our kids were all sleeping. And I think it was as as soon as, like, a touchdown was scored or something, and, you know, everybody's getting really excited. He runs over to our back slider door, whips it open, and yells into the backyard, Woo! <laughs> it sounded a lot more manly than that, though. It was like, Woo! <laughs> you know. <laughs> Just into our neighborhood, you know, for all who <laughs> care to listen. But I'm sure that he probably wasn't the only one to do something like that on that day. There was probably a lot of people expressing their excitement for the Seahawks in all different ways. And it's not like he went to a class or something where they said, okay, Aaron, now today we're going to teach you how to be a fan of the Seahawks. First, 
if they do something good, like a touchdown or an interception, you'll want to shout out, woohoo, <laughs> or go Seahawks. This would be the appropriate response. If something really great happens, like they win the game, then you may even jump off of your couch with your hands in the air in excitement. Or if you're really, you know, the ultimate fan of your team, whatever team it is, you could paint your face in the team colors or your whole body if, you know, you're a really crazy fan. No, that, I mean, that would be ridiculous. Nobody tells you how to be a, a fan of your team or how to, you know, express yourself joyfully to your team. You just do that naturally, right? You naturally express your joy and appreciation for the team because we love our Seahawks. And it's the same way when we love God, it is natural that we're going to be excited about him. So it's not like, you know, this formal thing. We come in and we sing songs and, well, I guess I should sing today. I mean, everybody else is singing and we put those words on the screen to help you. And so I should probably sing those words because that's what I'm supposed to do. And I don't know, maybe I should close my eyes. Is that what other people are doing? Or, oh, I see someone raising their hand. So do you do it like this or do you do it like this or do you do it like this? this. I don't know. Um, that's not, I mean, it doesn't matter. You know, you're, you're whatever you do naturally to, to show love for something, enjoy, that should be our response to the Lord. Because just naturally how you would respond. Um, Matthew twelve thirty four says, from the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. First Chronicles 16.8 says, Give thanks to the Lord and proclaim his greatness. Let the whole world know what he has done. And like Dad talked about last week, and if you missed this, the message last week, it would be awesome to go back and listen to it um, on the app, but just that our praise results in all praise, which is really an awesome thing to think about. Um, you know, when Aaron swung open the slider door, he wanted to let the whole world know, I think, that the Seahawks were awesome. And, you know, that is our job as believers of Christ to let the whole world know. Let's be excited. Let's come into worship joyfully praising him. And not just on a Sunday morning, but I, would, I think that would be awesome if everybody came and was right here and ready to go to praise God for the first part of our service, but on a day-to-day -day basis, you know, and which we'll touch on that in a minute. But, um, you know, don't, don't care what people think. Just care what God thinks. Care what God thinks. Nothing else is really important. Remember when I was in high school and it just, you know, at that age, I think you're a little bit more concerned about what people think about you. And I just always was like, oh, no, they're probably looking at me. What are they going to think about me? No one's looking at you. They're all concerned about what everybody thinks about them. So nobody's looking at you. Um, you know, my desire would be that we would all have such a great, all-consuming revelation of God that we would just be, you know, hands down, flat on our faces or just 
you know, messed up for the Lord every Sunday when we come in here with our hands in the air, just passionately worshiping God. And um, I mean, that would just be awesome. I mean, we're not just, we're not just fans of God, but we're sons and daughters of God. We're sons and daughters of the Most High. He is our daddy, and we should just be, you know, in awe of him. Bringing me to point number two, why God wants us to worship him. Because he loves us. We really don't need any other reason other than just because he loves us. Those who accept God's love, which is the next thing on your sheet, those who accept God's love will love him and others in return. And so my question for you today is, have you fully accepted God's love for you? Have you, fully, have you had an experience with him where you can say that you have fully accepted God's love for you? I don't know that a lot of us have, uh, but one thing that has helped me to come to a greater realization of God's love for me is since I've had my own children. And I think that, you know, others can probably agree with me that when you have your own kids, it's like that first moment when you hold them in your arms or when they look up at you with their curious eyes and, you know, that, that time when they wrap all their fingers around your one finger or they laugh for the first time and your heart is just overflowing with love for them. That is how God looks at you and to a million times greater degree which is really hard for us to understand. And I think especially in a world where we, we kind of get beat up often. We tear ourselves down. You know, other people may have tore you down. You might not have had a, a great relationship with your mother or father, so it's hard for you to imagine that fatherly love. But let me just tell you, God loves you so, so much. So much. You know, he just wants to wrap his arms around you and just tell you how much he loves you and that he is proud of you. He's, he's proud of you and, and all that you've done, and he just wants you to show your love back to him. If you look up God's love in the Bible, which I did, you could probably be reading scripture all day long because it talks from front to back of the Bible just consistently about God's love. John 3:16 For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but will have eternal life. Ephesians 3:14 through 19 When I think of all this I fall on my knees and pray to the Father the creator of everything in heaven and on earth. I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through the Spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ though it is too great to understand fully. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. 
And I'm just going to whip through the rest of these really fast. So if you want to go back later and look them up, you can. Romans 5, 8. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. Psalm 86, 13. For your love for me is very great. You have rescued me from the depths of death. Psalm 103, 11. For his unfailing love toward those who fear him is as great as the height of the heavens above the earth. Romans 8, 38 and 39, I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love, neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow, that even the powers of, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or on earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. God really loves you. He really, really loves you. I mean, you know, if that doesn't show us or prove enough, do I need to pull this away a little bit? Or am I good? Pull it away. There we go. Can you still hear me? God really loves you. You know, we sing that song sometimes, Unstoppable Love. No sin, no shame, no past, no pain can separate me from the love of God. And it's, that's what it says in the Bible. And if you believe the Bible, if you believe what the Bible says is true, then you should know and believe that God loves you more than anything. We cannot even fathom it, how much he loves us. And God displayed his love for us in the most powerful way by sending his one and only son to die for us, to pay for our debt. And when we read in Luke today, Jesus is is on his way to pay that debt for us. He's on his way to the cross when the people come and worship him. So why do we worship? One, because God loves us. And, And two, because God desires relationship with you. He desires relationship with you. And just like in any relationship, you know, it takes two. There's, there's, there's two people in that relationship. So it can't just be all God pouring out and loving on you. We need to respond to him in that love, and that helps to create that relationship. And worship is, is a part of this. God is our father. He's also our friend. I think sometimes we think of God in this really dominating way, like he's just this figure in the sky, and who am I, you know? And, but God really loves you. Worship in its truest form is all about relationship. In John fifteen fifteen, Jesus tells his disciples, I no longer call you servants. Instead, I've called you friends. So yes, we were all meant to serve God, but he also desires friendship with us. And I would hate for you to miss out on that part of God, that he wants relationship with you. Don't settle for just the servant role by coming and doing your duties and being a good person. And don't settle for just the servant role. Let let God be your friend and be his friend in return. I remember when Aaron and I were dating, and um, and I'm not going to tell the whole story, don't worry. Because I know Thad's what, looking at his watch going, um, 
Um, <laughs> no, no. Um, when we were dating and I would uh, play my keyboard and lead worship for the youth ministry that we were a part of at that time, and we were both volunteers with the youth ministry, but I had just met Aaron, and, um, and I, would, I would usually, you know, after the youth service was over, I would take my 100-pound keyboard, because I have the same one that's right here, <laughs> and pack it up in my case, and it literally, I think, weighs like 100 pounds, doesn't it? And, you know, roll it out to my car, and I was just an independent person, and that's what I did, and he came by, and he was like, can I help you with that, to take it out to your car, and, and I was like, oh, no, that's okay, I, I do this, I, I do it every time I'm used to it. And he's like, are you sure? And I'm like, yeah, that's okay. So guys, pay attention because chivalry still exists. <laughs> and that was what won me over. So um, he comes back, grabs the thing out of my hand, and just starts rolling it out. And he, I mean, he was persistent. He was like, I can't let you do that by yourself. I'm sorry. And, you know, like there was just little things after that in our dating that, that made me want to be closer to him. You know, like he brought me my favorite Starbucks drink every Sunday morning before church. and <laughs> But, you know, just like all these little things that won me over. And then, you know, when you're first dating someone and it's like you just want to be near them all the time. And so after we'd get off work or he'd get off work or I'd get off work, we'd, you know, rush over to the other person's house just to spend every last moment together. And, um, but those are, you know, when you're, you really love someone and you're, you're really wanting to draw near to someone and get to know them better, you want to spend time with them. And that's part of our, part of the relationship with God is spending time with him. Um, you know, desiring to get to know him, wanting to get to know him. Um, you know, worshiping God is key in your relationship with him. Luke 19, 39 and 40, some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. I tell you, he replied, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. I think worshiping and praising Jesus is pretty important to him because he's basically saying, like, if we don't, then the rocks are going to cry out. You know, God's greatness demands our praise. He is so great that he has to be praised. So moving on to um, the final point here, worship is a lifestyle. So you may be thinking through this whole time, okay, so does she mean that like when I'm at work and stuff, I need to be like, hallelujah, you know, <laughs> in the middle of your, <clears throat> in the middle of your, um, <clears throat> oops, sorry. <laughs> I'm totally not used to this. This is just so weird. So if you, you guys should just try this at some point because it's really weird. It's really trippy having a microphone right next to your mouth. Um, but, you know, no. When you're in the middle of your work day or, I mean, if you really want to, you can. People might look at you kind of funny, but if God is prompting you to do that, that is awesome. But, you know, just like, you know, are, are we supposed to just go throughout our day? Praise God. God, you are good. You know, I've heard people do that sometimes. And if you feel like you need to do that, that is awesome. But, you know, like it should be just natural. Like I said, like your natural overflow of your love for God. Sometimes when we're at home and, you know, Aaron will, he works in his office home and he'll 
office at home. He'll come in and, and, you know, say something like, well, you know, I got the deal. And I go, praise the Lord. You know, that's awesome. And that is a, just a natural worship of God in our house on a regular basis. Or, you know, like sometimes our kids will just start singing singing songs to the Lord. Or, you know, Josiah just turned four and now he's like asking if he can pray before the meal. But I think that in our home we have made God number one. And so therefore it's easy to have an overflow of our love for God in a natural way when we go about our everyday lifestyle. And I don't say that to say like, you need to be like us. I'm just saying that to give an example of that this is how we would apply worship on a regular basis. And uh, worship doesn't have to be just music. Music is one way that we worship God. And for people like me who really love music and Mandy and others who just like, you know, we love music. um, It's an easy way for us to worship God through music. It's like that's where it clicks for us. It doesn't, you know, it's for all of us, you may feel a little uncomfortable singing. Some people do. That's okay, you know. Do what you feel comfortable with. Some, at some point, the Lord may push you to, to like, you know, hey, let's try and sing a little bit to me. I like that. God doesn't care what you sound like. He doesn't care at all. <laughs> you know, I don't just worship because somebody told me at one point in my life that I have a good voice. No, I didn't always actually. Um, I was really shy growing up and very, very shy. And I just um, was really afraid of being in front of people. I didn't want to be at all. So just a little brief part of my testimony. As I started drawing near to the Lord, he began to pull those things out of me and give me that courage and give me that faith to go, okay, you know, I love music, um, and God was just saying, this is what I want you to do for me. And he gave me that boldness as I drew closer to him. But music is just one way. You could worship God through your giving, through our finances. Maybe the Lord has blessed you financially, or maybe he hasn't, but we still should. We still should worship the Lord with our giving no matter what. Um, You know, we know one person who she is just the ultimate hospitality queen and will have people over to her home and just present an amazing table of food and, you know, just a wonderful presentation. And I think that that is her worship to the Lord because she is doing it as unto the Lord as she's serving us when she has us over to her house and serving us in the most beautiful way, she's doing that as unto the Lord. And I think that that is a way of worshiping God. You can worship God with the way that you speak to others. If you're speaking to others as, as an, an overflow of the Lord's love in your heart and encouraging them, that is worship to the Lord. If you are doing that as unto the Lord. So when I say worship as a lifestyle, that is what I mean by that. Look back at Luke 19.41, and we're going to wrap it up pretty soon here. Luke 19.41, as he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it and said, If you, even you, had only known on this day what would bring you peace, 
but now it's hidden from your eyes. The days you will, the days uh, will come upon you when your enemies will build an. Im- Hold on, I just went black. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> okay. When the enemies will build an embankment against you and encircle you and hem you in on every side. They will dash you to the ground, you and the children within your walls. They will not leave one stone on another because you did not recognize the time of God's coming to you. Don't miss out on God's presence. I think that, you know, that's what the Lord is saying to us there. In the, you know, if you read commentaries and things on that verse, it talks about just that God is speaking over the city of Jerusalem, Jesus is. But I think when you apply it to us for today, he's talking to us and he's saying, don't miss out on my presence. Don't miss out. Don't just be a servant. Don't just be a spectator. He wants you to worship him, to draw close to him and don't miss that moment. Is our lifestyle all about us or is it about him? And that's my question for you today. Is it just about you or is it about him? There are some times when um, I think we try to do life all on our own. We just, you know, we, we try so hard. And, and you might feel like that there are pieces just crumbling and you can't seem to hold it together. Or maybe it's your health. Maybe it's your finances. But you know, as you put God number one and make worshiping him, spending time with him, building that relationship with him, reading his word is a part of that too, praying to him. When you make those things number one, I promise you, you will draw closer to God and all those things that feel like they're crumbling, those walls that feel like they're falling, he will begin to place them back together stone by stone building your life back together piece by piece and just watch just watch it is awesome it is it is unbelievably awesome when you begin to put God number one in your life I've seen it in mine and Aaron's life I've seen it in others around us that the Lord will do an amazing thing in your life when you begin to make worshiping him a priority. Begin to make it a lifestyle. Colossians 3.23 says, Whatever you do, work at it with, your, with all your heart as if working for the Lord, not for human masters. God is not looking for perfection to worship him. He just wants your heart. Let's not hold back from worshiping him. Let's be a people who give God our all, give him everything. And like Mandy said today, I love what she said, not just on a Sunday, every day, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. You know, sometimes Aaron and I just recently started working out again, which is really hard. And especially because we can't really do a workout until the kids go to bed. So sometimes it's like 930 at night and I'm going, Oh my word, I am dead tired right now. I cannot think about working out. And when it's 90 degrees and we don't have AC in the garage where we work out. And, you know, but it is when I make myself do it on days when I don't feel like it, I make myself do it and it's, and it's like, oh wow, that feels so much better that I just 
did it, you know? It was like 35, 40 minutes and I was done and that's it. I mean, how much of that really is, how much is that really of your day? And I think when we worship the Lord, when we want to build that relationship and spend time with him, sometimes it can be like that. There are days when I really feel like worshiping God. There are days when I don't, when it's hard, you know? Right before I just came to church this morning, my two-and-a-half-year-old who was just recently potty trained pees all over the floor. (laughs) When we're all ready to go. It was hard to be joyful in that moment. I will be honest with you. But I'm thinking about my message today going, okay, I'm talking about praising God in everything that I do. Praise you, Lord, as I lean up this pee off the floor. But it kind of made me laugh in a way. You know, it was just like, okay, who cares? Whatever. This isn't really, you know. But things like that are going to happen. I can't guarantee that your life is going to be perfect once you you know, once you decide to start loving God, he will help to make things a little better probably, but things are just going to happen. And it's our choice whether we're going to make God a priority in that and worship him and praise him or not. In closing, don't hold back from God. He loves you so much. We can't even fathom it. He desires relationship with you. He wants to get to, you to get to know him. And by choosing to praise him and worship him, whether you're on top of the mountain or in the depths of the valley, he will and you will draw near to him and he will draw near to you. And if you could take away three things from today, I would hope that that would be one, that you can receive and accept God's love for you, Two, start by worshiping him. And three, make praise and worship, praising and worship, worshiping God a part of your lifestyle. So as we, as we close today, um, instead of having the band come up, I want us to watch this video. And you can, you know, pull, pull out your connection card and there's some areas on there that you can check. And I just want you to, to search your heart. Let the Lord, more than, more than checking a box on a card today, which that is important and it helps us, but ask God to check your heart and see, just say, where am I at today, Lord? What, what do you want me to do differently? How do I have a better relationship with you? What is the step that I need to take to worship you in a greater way, to draw near to you? So let's pray. Lord, I just thank you for today. I thank you that you've given me this word to speak to these people today, to speak to the people of open life. And I pray that you would just open their hearts, God. And I pray that you would just show them what you want them to do and how you want them to change, God. And reveal to us, Lord, myself included, reveal to us how to be a better worshiper, Lord, that your presence would be so abundant in this place and overflowing in our hearts, God, that you take us to just deeper and deeper places with you, Lord, that it would overflow off of us and reach others. We thank you, Jesus, in your name. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. If you have questions about anything you heard during this talk or have a prayer request, you can fill out the connection card on our app or online at openlife.church.
If you'd like to join the mission of Open Life with a financial gift, you can do this quickly and securely through the app by pressing the Give button at the bottom or on our website by clicking on the Giving tab. Open Life wouldn't exist without the consistent and generous giving of people like you. Finally, it's great that you had the chance to listen on the app, online, or through our podcast. But have you ever thought about joining us for a service? We meet every Sunday at Bonnie Lake High School at 10 a.m. This way you can put a face to the voice you've been hearing through your ears. Thanks again for joining us today. Have a great rest of your week.